Hello and welcome to the Be Well, Do Well podcast. Today is a bonus episode where I'm excited to have a conversation with a remarkable entrepreneur that has accomplished more by the age of 40 than most will in a lifetime. Luke Andrews is a real estate leader, investor, and an author. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Welcome to the show, Luke. Hey, I am so excited to be here. Awesome. Thank you. So you and I have something in common, and I think a lot of us do, is that you and I both escaped the rat race of corporate life. Tell me a little bit about your experience with the corporate life and the rat race and what you did to escape that. Sure. I had some corporate sales jobs and then I moved into a role of strategic marketing and data analytics. I did a lot of pharmaceutical marketing and it was fun. It was interesting, but I wasn't super passionate about it. And my wife actually happened to be a real estate agent. Mm -hmm. And I was working in an office downtown, commuting every day, doing that whole nine to five gig. One day she says, hey, if you were licensed, you could just stop and show houses for me on my way home from work. And she wouldn't have to go out and fight rush hour traffic. We kind of did it as a joke at first, but I thought it would be interesting, maybe scratch an itch that I had. I went and I got my license fully intending to be part-time just to be able to help her a little bit, potentially make a little extra income. And I fell in love almost immediately. What we did is we put together a plan as a couple of how in the next 24 months can I quit my secure corporate six-figure job with benefits and bonuses and a base salary and everything else? How can I leave that in us? fully go independent and own our own business. We put that plan together and we started working a two-year transition plan and then a two-year plan into what does that first two years look like in the business after I lose the benefits and the base mm -hmm. salary and, and all that stuff. How was that in terms of your mental health, your wellness, when you leave that stability and then going into this instability, was it a hard transition for you or did you find it relatively smooth? The initial two years, we were able to speed up and I actually left in about eight months. But we still had that two-year plan of knowing we are going to have to take a step back in income and earnings as we go through and ramp up this new business, this new venture. What I tell people who are going through that, the first six months are pretty easy. You're just running off of adrenaline and you're mm -hmm. okay living on less, doing less and not earning as much, not spending as much and being okay just in that business. The period from six to 24 months is really, really difficult. Once that initial adrenaline wears off, it just becomes a grind. And yeah. you're, you're spending a lot of days thinking, man, it'd be a lot easier if just every other Friday I was just collecting a paycheck, whether right. I worked really hard or didn't work at all. You have to have faith in this plan and understand that you're working towards this greater purpose. I think having that plan in place and having that light at the end of the tunnel is what really kept us going and moving, where I think a lot of people would have quit. Months 21, 22 were really, really difficult. Mm -hmm. And it was talking about, okay, do I need to get a part-time job? Do I need to go back into the corporate world? But I decided to stick it out just a little bit longer. Magically, month 23, all of a sudden things just turned around. And I was now making more than I was making before. We were no longer living off savings and lines of credit. We were just starting to get back into the black and business just started to grow and take off. And the team that I was running started to grow and they started performing more effectively. It was like the stars aligned and we were right where we needed to be and all was right in the world again. 
That's really cool. You read these books and you hear stories about people that give up right before the, the business takes off. Now, you just turned 40 less than a month ago. Can you tell us a little bit about your milestone that you hit just before you turned 40? I had set a goal a while back because as we were moving into this real estate venture, in addition to the sales and leadership side of it, I was also very interested in the real estate investment side. I had set a goal several years ago that I wanted to purchase 40 investment properties by the time I turned 40. It was one of those 40 by 40. The numbers are kind of easy and simple. I knew it would be a challenge, but it's kind of catchy and cute, 40 to 40. Like you said, I turned 40 a month ago and we closed on our 40th property about 90 days ago. It magically expands to the time allotted. I'm wishing now I would have done 400 by 40 <laughs> just to see where I actually might have been. That's really exciting. I remember when we purchased our first property, it was scary. I'm not sure how this is going to go. Then you do your second and third and when you hit 40, that's really exciting. You've got this streamlined process, I'm sure, of how you do that. Getting into the business was a little different. My wife and I built our first house in 2006, kind of right at the top of the market. As the market crashed and fell underneath. That happened to be the time that we started having kids. We were looking to upgrade and we were fortunate enough that we were able to keep our existing home and still upgrade into the new one. We kept that first one as a rental for a while. That was how we got our feet wet. I was in corporate role and a guy that I worked with, we were both very, very interested in the real estate investment side. We would take walks each day and say, how do we get into this real estate investment? We decided there's this up and coming neighborhood here in town where there's still some deals to be found. We could find a place that needed a decent amount of work. Wasn't a complete and total gut job, but needed a decent amount of work. We could still get it for about $20,000. We could do a lot of the work ourselves and we could slowly get our feet wet, turn that into a rental, let one turn to two, turn to four, whatever it happened to be. We're out on a daily basis, just scouring the MLS, looking at Zillow, walking these neighborhoods, trying to figure out what is our next purchase. When serendipity happens, this guy who would ultimately be my business partner, he's at dinner with his girlfriend and her parents. They invite some friends of theirs for dinner. And they're of course asking, what do you do? And he's like, I do this in the corporate world, but what I'm really interested in is real estate investing. We're trying to buy our first property. And they said, well, interesting enough, we have investment properties and we're actually looking to liquidate and retire, but they would only sell it to us as a package. So we went from looking at buying one $20,000 property that needed work to all of a sudden a package of 13. We had no idea how to come up with the financing for 13, how to come up with the down payment for 13, how to manage 13 properties. We didn't know any of this stuff, mm. but we knew it was a great deal. So what we did is we just started asking people that we knew that had done it before and started asking questions. We found someone who had done it before who said, I'd be interested in partnering up with you guys if you're interested in it. And we said, sure, you can show us the ropes. You can give us the contacts. But even at that point, we still didn't have enough money for the down payment. Mm -hmm. We're on the outside looking in again. And right as it feels like the deal's going to fall through, or at least this other group is just going to move forward without us, I come up with this outside of the box idea and say, okay, guys, we can't afford to jump in 50-50 monetarily with you here in the beginning. What if we bring what we can, we're 50-50 partners from the beginning, and we on our side agree to manage these properties for free on a set schedule until that money is paid back 
And then we're 50-50 equally from a monetary perspective. Everybody agreed. They came up with the additional money to close. We managed the properties for free. The schedule was about 17 months is what it was going to take us to pay it back. But we were able to turn over the rents fast enough to bring them up to where we actually had it paid back in eight months. From 17 months to eight months. 17 months to eight months. We more than cut it in half, which was fantastic for us. But really what was more valuable than the money was what we learned in trying to manage those 13 properties. Right. We had no idea what we were doing. We were so green, but we learned so much. We picked up the right contacts. And then all of a sudden, as more packages started coming our way, it wasn't so daunting. It wasn't so overwhelming. Because of the work that we had done, turning over the rents and doing little minor updates to these apartments that we bought, we were able to do a refinance pull our cash back out and use that to go out and purchase new properties. It was no longer about how do we come up with the down payment? We had the equity from other properties in there, but we wouldn't be where we are now if we had just said, that's a great idea, but I don't know anything about 13 properties or that's great, but I don't have the money for 13 properties or it's great, but I don't have the down payment. It was just continuously asking questions and trying to find creative ways to make the deal work because we knew deep down it was a great deal. That's a great story. Have you heard of the four C's? It's a book by Dan Sullivan. He talks about these four C's and I absolutely love it. Number one is the commitment. You said, we're going to do this investing past that point where you're no longer just on savings and lines of credit. Now you want to go a little bit bigger. So you commit to your first property. Second stage is courage. You're like, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to take the leap and I'm going to have the courage to do it. Then you find the capability and you went from one to 13 and no idea what to do. But the last step, which for me is the biggest one, is confidence. You go from commit to courage to capability, then confidence happens afterwards. In your case, you went through the right cycle. You started at commit, ended up with obviously more confidence to go even bigger. Like you said in the intro, is that why didn't I do 400 by 40? That takes confidence to say that. Most people will do the opposite. They'll start by saying, I'm not ready. I don't have the confidence yet, or I don't feel like I can do it. That's a lack of confidence, which won't ever happen if you don't actually commit first. You're 100% correct. It's very similar to the analogy that people tell you about having kids. You're never going to be fully ready. You're never going to have enough sleep. You're never going to have enough money in the bank. You're never going to be mentally prepared to do this. Mm -hmm. At a certain point, if it's what you want for your life, you just have to take the leap and just go after it. I'm glad you brought up kids because that was one of the topics I wanted to talk about. I have two boys, 13 and 10. Okay. Do they know about your investment properties? Do you guys chat about it? Absolutely, they do. It was something that was very important to me from the beginning, especially when we were managing them ourselves. I wanted them to be able to see the spreadsheets and understand this is a portion of how we earn money as a family. Just break it down because they were younger then. Like when you use the internet for your iPad, flip a light switch on, get water. This is how we pay for that. I also wanted them to see the portions of the business. So I would take them with me to the properties. If we had just purchased and we were doing some little minor repairs, some light landscaping, things like that, they're out there pulling weeds. I take them with me to collect rent. I wanted them to see that this is what we do for work. 
that work looks different for everybody and work looks different for me on a day-to-day basis. Some days it's easier, some days it's harder. I also wanted them to see as well that not everybody lives the same way that we do. It hit me hard one day when I was explaining it. We were in the car driving over to collect rent and I said, not everybody lives the way that we do. Not everybody has the same securities that we have. And they said, oh, you mean the kids and their family all have to share an iPad? And that's when I knew we are way out of touch. So we made some significant adjustments at that point. We started doing a lot more activities where we're giving back a lot more donations. And my kids, 10% of their allowance goes into a fund that they get to choose where they're going to donate that. That's so important on our side is making sure that we give back. Oh, I love that. That's true parenting when you instill those values and lessons to the kids earlier on. I think now we have two things in common because whenever we go to our rental properties and I bring my kids along, they get to see that. Sometimes they wonder, why isn't that person owning more properties? Why are they working at Walmart or wherever they may be working? And it's an interesting conversation that you have with your kids. Did you grow up with this as a child as well, where your parents were entrepreneurs? My mom owned a very small in-home daycare center. And my dad worked factories and warehouses throughout my entire childhood. What I gained from them was it was all about hard work. Put your head down and grind. There are going to be a lot of days where you just don't feel like it. You just have to keep pursuing, keep pushing. And I think that's what helped me. Like we talked about earlier, you get the months 21, 22, 23, when it gets really, really hard to know that we have got to keep grinding, keep going because there is a light at the end of that tunnel. What do you do when you don't feel like it? There are some days where I just get up and I put my shoes on and I take one step and one step turns to two and two steps turns to four. Jason Capital said years and years ago, just break it down into three very, very simple steps. Like step one, open your laptop. Step two, open up your database. Step three, make one phone call. That's all you got to do. And then you can call that day a win. He said that one, it just gets you going, gets the momentum going, but 99% of the people will never stop at one phone call. It's about getting started. That is the hard beast. Once you get going, you just fall into habits. There are a lot of days where it is nothing more than just, I got to put my shoes on. I got to get dressed and I got to just walk out the door. Yeah. That's amazing. In the intro, I mentioned that you are a best-selling author, but before we talk about your books, I'm curious what you're reading right now. Right now, I'm in a phase where I'm trying to do a little more entertainment reading. And I'm one of those people that if I'm going to watch TV or movies, it's generally a very, very stupid comedy. Just finished a book all about the process of making the TV show Modern Family. It just started the process and the making of The Office. Two of my all-time favorite shows. I love seeing the behind the scenes stuff. And I always end up picking a little bit of motivation because most of these shows seemed doomed from the start. Nobody believed in them. Nobody really wanted them. Even the network said this just flat out isn't going to work. These are some of the most watched best-selling shows of all time. But you see that even they faced adversity in the beginning and they just kept going, doing the best work that they possibly could. And it ultimately paid off in the end. Sometimes people find them silly, stupid, but there's genius behind that. To be that funny for so long takes (laughs) art and a science. It's really cool that you're reading about that. Do you know what the names of the books are? Welcome to Dunder Mifflin. The other one was called Modern Family by Mark Freeman. They're interesting just seeing the behind the scenes stuff, but I'm always very interested in how they initially got started, how they Mm -hmm. went from concept and idea, how they took it and slowly built the process and Mm -hmm. sold it to numerous people. 
and actually got him made and got him on the air. You, you seem like a pretty structured guy. You've got your work time, your family time and all that. Do you have any productivity hacks that you want to share with us? I have to be insanely structured and yep. insanely disciplined because I know that I am insanely undisciplined. <laughs> my diet is the key to that. Mm. I have very strict rules. I found that my big weakness and my big pain points from overall health perspective are mm. added sugars. My discipline is I don't eat anything with added sugar except on Sundays. Sunday is my cheat day and I go absolutely bonkers on Sundays. Okay. Uh, and I have to do it that way because my wife is the type, she can have a, a small dessert every mm. evening and be okay with it. She's okay with just a handful of M&Ms. I can't eat a handful of M&Ms. I have to eat an entire bag. And even then I'm starting to look for other things. Um, I've had to make some very disciplined choices and rules. And the same thing goes for my work and working out and everything else. I have to be very disciplined about it because I'm so undisciplined. In a real estate perspective, especially when I was producing a lot more and leading less, you, you get these gurus and pundits who tell you, you have to put the gym on the calendar, treat yeah. it like an appointment. If you had a listing appointment, you wouldn't cancel it, right? So do the same thing with the gym. But for somebody, especially who's new in the real estate space or any type of sales role, when every deal matters and counts, at the end of the day, if that workout is on the calendar, they're going to move it for a sale. So what I started doing was I created a before I go to sleep list has to be a very small list, three to five things. And I kind of label them small, medium, or large, knowing that I can only have one large and one small or two mediums and a small, something like that. Because I knew that I couldn't necessarily count on it. If I set the gym at 8 a.m., but I get someone who needs to meet at nine and it's a 45 minute drive and I can't do that, I'm going to choose the business every time because if I can't afford the gym because I'm not working, then it doesn't really do me any good. For me, it's all about these little lists of before I go to sleep. I make sure that I review those in the morning. Also in the evening, when you're really tired, that it's like, oh man, I didn't reach that commitment today to work out at 10.30 PM or yeah. creating a spreadsheet that I promised that I'd create. You learn pretty quickly how to find other times to manage it throughout your day. Those are the non-negotiables, right? Correct. Yeah. So a little bit different from day to day. Before I go to sleep, I will mm -hmm. like. I like that. That's very cool. I didn't know the, the M&Ms or sugar thing about you. That's pretty interesting. Is there any other thing that people would be genuinely surprised to learn about you? People are generally surprised to hear that I wrote a best-selling book because I failed English class growing up. I wrote the book because somebody told me I couldn't. I went out and, and did it. That's awesome. Tell me about the book. I'm excited to hear about that. The first one that I wrote was, I was in a stage in my life that I was looking at moving out of the corporate world into the real estate world. And I'm following all of these big people. You get these virtual mentors. You look at a guy like Grant Cardone, love him or hate him. He's done some big things in his life. And Grant's wisdom quote mm -hmm. was, you got to go all in. You got to quit your job. You got to move to whatever city where whoever the best of the best is doing what you want to do. And you got to agree to go work for them for free for a year. You got to do all of these things, which it's great. And I'm sure that works, but I've got kids. I've got a mortgage. The grocery store doesn't accept hugs and good feeling. They want cash. So I couldn't just do those. I thought there has to be a way for people like me, people that want more, but can't necessarily just go all in all at once. So I started doing some experimenting with how can I make just 
small incremental changes on a daily basis that are going to add up to these exponential gains. Once I figured out kind of what I was doing, I decided I'm just going to write a book about that. It was kind of therapeutic for me. And when I told somebody I was going to do it, just laughed right in my face. <laughs> then you don't know anything about writing. You failed English class. Even if you did write it, who's going to edit it? Who's going to publish it? Who's going to do any of these things? And even then, who's going to want to read it and buy it? Somebody tells me I can't do something. It, it kind of gets under my skin a little bit. Yeah. I'm a smaller than average adult male. So I probably have a bit of a Napoleon complex. And when somebody tells me I can't do something, I'm, I just want to prove them wrong. That's when I started doing some research. I learned all about Amazon self-publishing. I wrote the book in silence. I didn't even tell my wife until yeah. I actually hit publish. It just resonated with people. It was incredibly short, almost embarrassing to get it to enough pages to have it print. The font is enormous. The margins are huge. <laughs> and there's a disclaimer in the beginning that's like, hey, I write like I talk. If you're here for proper grammar, sentence structure, paragraph structure, and all those other things, you're probably in the wrong spot. But if you're looking for some genuine vulnerability of how I made these changes for myself, then come to the right spot. I appreciate that. I don't like reading books that are just large and long just because they need to be to satisfy some publisher that says you have to do 500 pages and then it's just filled with fluff. I like right. those straight to the point. I, I read on my device and if it's larger font and it's easy for me to swipe through, that's perfect. I had a conversation the other day with somebody from the Digital Wellness Institute and they are doing these mini courses or 10 minute courses on how to manage online addictions in a sense. And I said, well, that's kind of ironic. You're releasing an online course to manage online addictions, <laughs> but they're doing it in 10 minute segments, they have short sure. micro courses. And that was intentional on their part. I'm sure you've seen that our attention spans are just so short. We don't watch TV. If you do watch TV and there's a commercial, you're like, what is this? I'm going to go up back to Netflix. So having a short book that's concise and to the point is perfect. What's the title of your book? Small Steps, Sizable Gains. Perfect. Even the title is short. That's <laughs> it. Now, before we started recording, you made a very generous offer that you would give one copy of your book to our listeners. Yeah, I actually have another book that I wrote all about my real estate investing journey because I'm super passionate about yeah, getting people into real estate investing. I think it's awesome. I think you can do it in so many markets across the country. It doesn't have to be in my little market. I think there are deals mm. and opportunities everywhere. I think there's opportunities around the world as long as your laws are structured that way. I wrote a book all about the mistakes that I see first-time investors making. These were the mistakes that I made in what I was seeing over and over again. I'm trying to help people shorten and flatten that learning curve. I created a book that was completely digital online. I initially thought I'm going to self-publish this one as well. I'm going to sell it. It'll be a little extra income. But just had an epiphany one day that said, if I'm genuinely passionate about helping people in this sense, I need to put my money where my mouth is, just give the book away for free. Thanks. So that's what I did. There's no option to be able to buy it or purchase it anywhere. Just go to 10investormistakes.com and it's the number 1010, 10investormistakes.com. You can download the book for free instantly. But again, I write like I talk. If you're looking for structure, I have the disclaimer at the beginning of that book as well. You're probably in the wrong spot, but there's some pretty valuable nuggets in there. Very cool. We're definitely going to check it out. I'll put a link to the books in the show notes and also to your website. Now, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, do you have a preference, social media, email, your website? Where's the best place for somebody to connect with you? 
Social media or email, very active on LinkedIn. If you just send me an email, I answer all my own email. The VA does not do that for me. I'm happy to talk to anybody about anything. It's just something I enjoy doing. So Luke at LukeAndrews.us, anybody's welcome to email me at any time. And I will absolutely respond. Awesome. Well, Luke, this has been fun. I really enjoyed our conversation. I learned a lot about you. I see we have a lot more in common here as well. And I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. Awesome. Appreciate you having me.